This is the Marathon Training Academy podcast, episode 371. This podcast is brought to you by MetPro. Speak with a metabolic expert to review your current habits, discuss your lifestyle needs, and receive actionable steps toward achieving your goals, whether it's to lose weight or change your body composition. Go to metpro.co forward slash MTA to get $500 off their concierge coaching. Thanks also to Athletic Greens, maker of AG1. Get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just visit athleticgreens.com forward slash MTA4. Athleticgreens.com forward slash MTA4. Welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast, where we empower you to run a marathon and change your life. I'm Trevor. And I'm Angie. In this episode, we'll give you a roundup of the biggest running stories from 2021, and we share tips on achieving your running goals in 2022. Plus, we share our top picks in books that we read from the last year. And don't forget, as a member of the Academy, you can dig deeper and get extra help taking your running to the next level in 2022. We'd love to have you join us. Just go to MarathonTrainingAcademy.com to learn more. Okay, we have a lot of content to get to in this episode. We're going to take a look back at 2021 and talk about some of the big news uh, from the running world. We always like to do an end-of-the-year roundup. We're also going to talk about books that we enjoyed in 2021 and also give some advice and pointers on goals and motivation. Before we do that, I'd like to give some shout-outs to people in the community doing awesome stuff. Yeah, we have some people who had really strong years in 2021. This note comes from Jesse. says, I was able to run 1,006 miles in 328 days, and I did 10 half marathons. Being able to accomplish this reminds me of the quote, whether you think you can or you can't, you are correct. That is true. This note comes from Marie. She says, on December 29th, 2020, I reluctantly signed up for the MTA 300 mile challenge. It had only been two months since my husband Stephen died and I wasn't sure I could get it done. I felt like I was floundering, but I knew running was the anchor that would keep me grounded. So I decided to fight to run and I did. I fought for every single step on the road with every ounce of what I had left in me. And you know what? It took me almost a year, but I freaking crushed it. I finally crossed mile 300 today. Wow. Glad that uh, running can be there for you. This comes from Sharon. She says, I ran the Mississippi Gulf Coast Half Marathon in Biloxi and missed my A goal by about a minute, but I hit my B goal of a PR, so I'm good with it. They had a great medal, beer, gumbo, fruit, and pulled pork sandwiches for the after party. Thanks to MTA coach Abby for getting me ready for a strong race. I'm looking forward to my fourth marathon in a few weeks. Always love it when they have good post-race food. Congrats, Sharon, on earning a PR in the half marathon. That's right. And this comes from Craig. He says, my first ever 20 miler is in the books with surprisingly ideal running weather in Houston. And my 20th mile was my fastest. I'm training for the Houston Marathon. And this is my second training cycle with MTA coach Lynn after a hamstring injury knocked me out of training for the marathon last year. 
A big shout out to Coach Lynn for the training plan and all of her advice. If any of you are on the fence about MTA coaching, go ahead and pull the trigger. Coach Lynn has helped me so much with my confidence and my preparation. Another two small shout outs. The MTA trucker hat does a great job of keeping sweat out of my eyes. Second, I've been working with a MetPro coach for the last few months to help me take off some stubborn weight. I'm down 15 pounds since mid-September and it's really helped my performance and energy levels. <laughs> That's awesome. That comes from Craig, uh, one of our coaching clients. Craig, we're just going to have you write all of our ads for us. <laughs> I think you hit everything. Coaching, MetPro, even the MTA trucker hats got a shout out. That's right. Congrats on conquering the 20 miler. It's a long way to run. And good luck on training for your first marathon. Well, here's to a great year, 2022. Of course, that's what we said in 2020. Remember that, Angie? We're like, <laughs> best year ever in January. And then what happened? We're not going to oversell it this year. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but um, we're hoping for an excellent year for all of you. We'd like to take a look back at 2021 and hit some of the, the big stories and news. Some stories maybe you've heard of, some you haven't. And then, of course, we'll talk about books and goals and all kinds of good stuff. Let's jump into it. Well on my way, well on my way. So 2021, year in review. We'll talk about what we did in 2021 in a couple of minutes. First, Angie, what are some of the big stories uh, in 2021? Well, we saw a lot of races that were rescheduled, kind of moved around in the year in an effort to make them safe um, for in-person participation. We had big races like Boston and London, which are traditionally spring races, moved to the fall. Um, Tokyo did just an elites only field, and then they were going to try to do an in-person race in the fall, but that didn't end up happening. So they are now aiming for 2022. So it was kind of one of those years um, where a lot of races, you know, tried to happen, but there are still some delays and cancellations. Races that were canceled included Steamtown Marathon, Marine Corps Marathon, Mount Desert Island in Maine, the New Jersey Marathon, Toronto, Milwaukee, Beijing, Wuhan. So a lot of the bigger marathons just weren't able to happen, I guess primarily because they couldn't get permits from their city. But races like New York City and Chicago and Boston and London and Berlin were able to go off. Not to mention the Olympic Marathon in Japan. You guys remember that? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Of course, the winners, you might remember, were Iliad Kipchoge on the men's side and Perez Jeptichir on the women's side. And even though there were some marathons canceled in 2021, there was still a lot of running, according to Strava. Right, Angie? That's right. The tracking site Strava reported that runners logged a total of 2.4 billion miles in the previous year. Now, their, their tracking runs from September to September of every year, so it wasn't quite just in 2021, but that gives us a pretty good picture of how, you know, people are still out there hitting the roads, hitting the treadmill, um, getting in their workouts, even though this year has been a little bit unusual. Going back to the Olympics, of course, it was really exciting to see Elliot Kipchoge just commandingly come away with another gold medal. And then I thought the second and third place race was was really exciting. Yes. And then, of course, on the women's side of things, um, Molly Seidel of the U.S. finished in third place in very hot conditions that all the runners had to face. And she went on just to have an extremely strong year, not only coming away from Tokyo with the bronze medal, 
She also broke the U.S. record at the New York City Marathon with, with a fourth place finish there. And she did that with two broken ribs. So she now holds the Women's American Marathon record in only her fourth marathon, stands at 224.42. On a more serious note, there was a race, a 50-mile ultramarathon in the rugged Wasatch Mountains of Utah called the DC Peaks 50. And they had just an unprecedented snowstorm during the race. 87 runners had to be rescued from snow and whiteout conditions. They had to mobilize search and rescue. Fortunately, all racers were rescued. A few of them were treated for hypothermia and one had a minor injury from a fall. But it could have been a lot worse because many people remember back to the spring of 2021, where 21 trail racers ended up dying in China during terrible weather conditions at a 100K ultramarathon. Um, Apparently about three hours after the start, a mountainous section of the race was hit by hail, heavy rain, and gales, and the temperatures really dropped. And runners reportedly lost their way as the visibility was affected. They had more than 1,200 rescuers out there looking for people. Um, But of course, it was very, very sad that so many runners lost their lives. In other news, from 2021, Shalane Flanagan did six World Marathon majors, all six, in under three hours, which is a record. She did it in 42 days. Some other records, Jacob Kaplimo of Uganda shaved one second off the world half marathon record when he finished in 57.31. Can you imagine doing that for a half marathon? Yeah, that was amazing. That was at the Lisbon half marathon. And then we had a women's world record half marathon time. That's right. Latessen Bet Gidey just crushed the half marathon world record in her debut half marathon at the Valencia half marathon. She raced an amazing 102.52, and she is also the world record holder for the 5,000 meters and 10,000 meters. I think she has a promising career ahead of her. <laughs> and we had a new American 24-hour track record. Don't know why anybody would want to run on a track for 24 hours, but... Nick Curry did 173.015 miles in 24 hours. Yeah, and he's someone that you don't hear about a lot, but he started doing ultras in 2005, and he's placed first at 30 races. (laughs) That's amazing. So very impressive. And then we had Camille Heron, who's been on the podcast uh, before, years ago. She set a new 100-mile record on the track on the ladies' side with 100 miles in 13 hours, 21 minutes, and 51 seconds. That's an 801 mile, 400 miles. That's right. She had a really strong year. She set a new course record in October at the Havilena 100. And Camille also holds the world record in the 50 miles, 12 hours, and 100 miles. Also talking about world records, Des Linden set the 50K world record with a time of 2 hours, 59 minutes, and 54 seconds. This was her first time racing 50K, and she managed that record. That would be like 547 per mile pace. Amazing. (laughs) Blows my mind. Jocelyn Rivas, age 24, is awaiting ratification from the Guinness World Records for becoming the youngest woman and the youngest Latina to finish 100 marathons. She's an immigrant from El Salvador who ran her first marathon in 2014, and she finished her goal by running 30 marathons in 2021. So that's a lot of marathons in a year. Yes. And you might remember we had Harvey Lewis on the podcast a couple episodes back. He won the Biggs Backyard Ultra by running 354 miles in 85 hours. That was a record for that race. And speaking of ultra runners, Timothy Olsen set the fastest known time on the Pacific Crest Trail, a uh, 
2,653 mile trail along the Pacific coast in the U.S. He went from end to end in uh, 51 days, 16 hours and 55 minutes. That's 51.3 miles a day. Not too easy. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Courtney DeBalter broke the women's record at UTMB, and this was two years after winning that race. This race circumnavigates the 15,777-foot Mount Blanc. Her new course record was 22 hours, 30 minutes, and 54 seconds while finishing seventh overall. Carol Sabe of Belgium set a fastest known time on the Via Alpino in the Alps. It is a long-distance hiking trail that connects eight alpine countries, which would be Italy, Slovenia, Austria, Switzerland, Liechtenstein, Germany, France, and Monaco. It's basically the European counterpart of the Appalachian Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail. 650 miles with 100 miles of elevation change, and he finished in 30 days, 8 hours, and 40 minutes. Wow, I bet that was beautiful. And of course, one big inspiring story of the year was Tommy Rivers Pusey, a beloved ultra marathoner who completed the New York City Marathon in just over nine hours. This was barely one year after taking his first steps after an aggressive cancer treatment that had him in a coma and needing to relearn to walk. At 90 years of age, Stelios Process was the oldest athlete to participate in the Athens Marathon in 2021. He said, we will try to finish in order to glorify Greece. (laughs) After crossing the finish line, he celebrated with his grandchildren and family. He said, I love life, nature, the sky. I rejoice every day that dawns. My message to young people is to participate in sports, exercise, and watch their diet so that they never need a doctor like me. Wow, that's great. Yes. Speaking of older runners, Mathea Allen-Smith finished the 2021 Honolulu Marathon at age 91. She became the oldest woman to finish that year. She did in 10 hours, 38 minutes, and 59 seconds. And her daughter Lauren said that she's on track for the world record for oldest women to finish a marathon, which she hopes to complete in 2022. Um, of course, Harriet Thompson did it in at 92 years, Gladys Burrell at 92 years of age. So she just needs to hang in there and... Keep running strong for another year and she'll have that record. So if you think that you're too old to run a marathon, just remember people are getting it done at 91 years of age. Let's talk about young people for a second. The youngest person to through-hike the Appalachian Trail came through in 2021. Josh and Cassie Sutton completed a full-length hike of the AT with their son, Harvey. He was just five years old and uh, he earned the nickname Little Man from the fellow hikers. A lot of people have nicknames out there on the trail. Of course, it's 2,100 miles from end to end, crosses through 14 states. They did it in 209 days. Started when he was just four years old. He turned five right before the last week, and they uh, they ended in Maine. So I'm sure that was quite a journey. That's right. And when he was interviewed at the end, he said that he really enjoyed it. He doesn't know any better. <laughs> Smart kid. Also in 2021, the oldest person to through-hike the AT was MJ Eberhardt, an 83-year-old retired eye doctor. He started in January and he did a series of day hikes and then he would basically restart where he left off. And he was known by his trail name of Nimble Will Nomad. (laughs) Nimble Will Nomad. (laughs) Yes, that's but it's quite an accomplishment, 83 years old. Well, I'm sure that's not everything uh, that could be said about 2021 uh, as far as running stories go, but I always get, I think, the most inspiration from these older runners who are still kicking butt, you know, reminds me of just how long you can be in the sport when you train smart 
And Angie, when we think about our running in 2021, you probably had a more subdued year than you usually have. Thinking of some of those years, you you did like nine marathons a year. Last year, you only did but two marathons. Yeah, that's right. 2021 was a tougher year for me with my running, especially compared to 2019 and 2020. But I do realize that's the nature of life. Not every year is going to be the most epic but that doesn't mean that it can't still be good. I was able to do two half marathons, a local race, and one in Bozeman, Montana, which was really exciting to get back to my home state. And I did two marathons, the Revel Wasatch in Utah and the Boston Marathon in October. So I did a total of 1,700 miles in 2021, which was down from over 2,200 in 2020. My year included lots of physical therapy appointments and rehab exercises, and then I spent much of the month of December recovering from COVID, which (laughs) felt like my year was ending a bit on a whimper. (laughs) (laughs) Now you've got four months until the Boston Marathon. That's right. So I'm excited. I'm ramping up again and um, really happy with the progress that my hamstring is making. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the coming year and what that will bring. Well, definitely highlights that there's ups and downs that we all go through. Oh, for sure. That's right. And I think it's easy to look at everyone around you who seems to be having the most epic races or year, but there's people who are going through injury. There's people who, you know, just having a little bit of an off year or an off season, and that's totally normal. It's just part of the journey. And I think going through the challenges makes the victories that much sweeter because if you didn't have the lows you wouldn't have the highs well i was able to run a marathon in 2021 Uh, i did the sky marathon in northern italy in sud tirol i also did two half marathons and did not run as many miles as angie for sure um probably did about less than half (laughs) her miles (laughs) but i've got big goals this year i'm going to uh try to run at least a mile a day in 2022. Are oh, you going to do a running streak, huh? Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's called a running I know. streak. <laughs> this is the first I've heard of it. Well, if I don't tell a lot of people, then I won't. Uh... You can weasel out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now the cat's out of the bag. I just like the idea of moving every day and uh, I could do at least a mile. I've been actually reading on the treadmill just because I love to read. I was able to read or listen to 83 books in 2021. And I thought to myself, instead of sitting in this chair, I could just go and walk slowly on the treadmill when I read this chapter. And before I know it, I got a mile done. So I'm moving, I'm reading, I'm pairing two things together that I love. And it's actually given me a deeper appreciation for the treadmill, which most people hate, right? (laughs) I love it. I'm glad we have one. So speaking of books... Angie always reads a lot of books. It's one of her passions. What was your book count in uh, 2021? Well, I added it up and came up with 262 books. Isn't that a cool number? I mean, you know, the marathon, 26.2 miles. Definitely didn't plan that. That's just how it kind of shook out. 131 fiction and 131 nonfiction. That was even more interesting. (laughs) You didn't plan that? No, I didn't. I was just randomly how it happened. Okay, well, in just a minute, you can tell us your top picks, because we know a lot of you are readers and you like book recommendations. Before we do that, we'd like to thank our episode sponsor, MetPro. And if you want help dialing in your nutrition in 2022, making this the year, definitely talk to the folks at MetPro, and we can testify that they know what they're doing. In fact, uh, 
when they first approached us, Angie, you said you were pretty skeptical at first because you had tried a lot of stuff and nothing was working for you. Yeah, that's right. I was like, oh, you know, I'll try it, but it's not going to work. I mean, I've tried (laughs) everything that I could think of and it's effective. I got to feeling better than I had in years with my energy levels, my blood sugar stabilized. I was fueling my workouts in a better way. And lo and behold, that actually pays off. And I was able to set half marathon and marathon PRs. So it's it's really amazing what dialing in your nutrition can do. So if you're interested in what MetPro can do for you, you can head over to metpro.co forward slash MTA to schedule a free consultation call. Talk with the experts there. See if the program is right for you. That's metpro.co forward slash MTA. And we'd like to thank our episode sponsor, Athletic Greens, makers of AG1. You don't have to have a thousand different pill bottles around the house. With Athletic Greens, in one tasty scoop, you get 75 vitamins, minerals, nutrients, probiotics, all the good stuff. That's right. We've been taking Athletic Greens every day, and it's the one thing that I can count on to get my morning started right. AG1 is a small micro habit that has big benefits. It's that one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. And your subscription comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, which is very important in the winter months when we often don't get enough sunlight. Athletic Greens is lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything. And like Trevor said, it still tastes good. Yeah, check them out. They've got over 7,000 five-star reviews. Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash MTA4, athleticgreens.com forward slash MTA4. All right, so books in 2021, you read quite a few books. Angie, do you have any that rose to the top? Because I look at my list of books because I do write each one down as part of, I think, the rewarding process is you finish a book and you write it down, then you can see your list grow. And I'm looking back at my list and like some of these, I'm like, yeah, that wasn't very good. (laughs) I don't know about you. I just can't abandon a book like halfway. Like I I get a lot of satisfaction in finishing it. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I think maybe I have abandoned like two books in the last 10 years. So it has to be really bad for me to abandon (laughs) I'm like, I will stick this out. Kind of like a long run, you know? I'm just like, all right, we may be walking here for a while, but I'm going to gut it out. (laughs) Yeah, I actually came up with a list. I narrowed down my 262 to a list of only 85 favorites. Oh, no. So how much time do you have? (laughs) 85. How about you just give us like eight? I think in the the fitness, the personal help space. One of my favorites was The Practice of Groundedness by Brad Stolberg. And we had him on as a guest. So it was one of those books that got sent to us. We read before our interview. And wow, I was just really blown away by many of the concepts in it. Um, I think it would be a really helpful one if you haven't read it yet as you look to make 2022 a great year. Another one I really enjoyed was Deep Survival by Lawrence Gonzalez. I'm endlessly fascinated by stories of survival and adventure, and he kind of boils down what qualities 
make you more likely to survive in an emergency situation. Another great one was The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter. Basically talks about how soft and how easy our lives have been, and that can lead to a lot of dissatisfaction. We actually, our bodies and minds crave challenge, and adding the right amount of challenge and the right amount of discomfort to your life, like long-distance running, can really lead to greater satisfaction. Another one I really liked was Bravey by Alexi Pappas. It was just a great memoir um, plus tips that she has for being successful in running and life. Of course, these are all nonfiction. Another one that I really enjoyed is called Comfortable with Uncertainty by Pema Chodron. Of course, I'll read anything by Anne Lamott. So I read Dusk, Night, Dawn by her. Um, another good one that I read was Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. It's definitely a classic. You'll see it yeah. on a lot of people's favorite list. And Trevor, I think you read this one, Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. Just a really fascinating book. He's a great storyteller. And another one I really enjoyed was called Nomad Land by Jessica Bruder. They have made it into a film now, but the book was actually really good and just kind of makes you think about a subset of the population who live on the road. And then another great one I read was called When by Daniel H. Pink. I will pretty much read anything that he comes out with. And that was interesting to think about when you do something is almost equally as important as what you do. We will, of course, post um, Angie's full list. I'll give you a couple that I enjoyed in uh, 2021. We had the uh, scientist Daniel Lieberman on the podcast. He had the book called Exercised. It's not light reading. It's a pretty meaty book on how our bodies evolved to move, not necessarily exercise in the modern sense, comparing the best information they have about hunter-gatherer groups alive today and how they move and how they use their body and challenges some of the things you hear today, like sitting is the new smoking. Also really enjoyed 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson, very insightful into human nature. Of course, um, A Runner's High by Dean Karnazes was a, a fun read. Out and Back by Hilary Allen. She puts you right there in the action when she falls off the mountain and then building her life back. It's pretty amazing. She was also a guest on the podcast. And finally, Everything is Figureoutable by Marie Forleo. I just love that statement, Everything is Figureoutable. It's just good mindset. It's a good way to approach life. Yes, it is. One tip that we could give people, um, if you are in the U.S. and you have a library card, you can actually get free audiobooks through the app uh, Overdrive. Also the app Libby. So it just links to your library card and your local library buys a certain amount of audiobooks and then lends them out. I know there's a lot of great services like Audible where you can you know, have access to hundreds of thousands of titles um, for a monthly fee, but uh, we've been using Overdrive and probably a lot of your books on your list you listen to, right? Yeah, that's right. Probably a good 30%. But you don't listen to books when you run. If I'm on the treadmill, I do listen to an audiobook. If I'm outside, I don't listen to anything except for the sweet sounds of nature <laughs> and all the traffic. <laughs> all right. Well, now we want to talk about achieving your goals in 2022. Some of the tips that we're going to give you are based on books that we read last year. So every year we get together with family around Christmas time, and I just have everybody go around and share their goals. I think it's easy just to sort of just drift and let life happen to you and just respond to things instead of saying, all right, this is what I want to accomplish in the next 12 months and then put together a plan to do it. Well, I think also one reason some people may hesitate to set goals is because they've been let down or burned in the past. Maybe they've set like really aggressive goals 
and they haven't been able to follow through for whatever reason. And so I think that gets to be discouraging. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to consider when you're thinking about setting goals and implementing the actual steps that are going to get you to that goal. Because on one hand, you want to challenge yourself. You want it to be something that's motivating, but you also don't want to set the bar too high and then get discouraged after a couple of weeks or a couple of months and then totally lose momentum and just kind of, you know, feel bad that you even set that goal. So one thing that we always encourage people, especially when it comes to taking on your running and your fitness goals, is to know your why. Another person's why may not resonate with you. So it's really important just to kind of dig in and decide what your why is for setting your goals. This is going to change over time. I'm not the same person that I was five years ago or even last year. So it's important to do a reevaluation, kind of digging in like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Because when times get tough, it's so important to be able to go back and just touch bases with why you're doing this in the first place. So as you're recapping your previous year, I like to ask myself some questions. One question I think is really good is, what limiting beliefs do I need to release? And that, you know, maybe is something you need to sit with for a while because we don't want to think that we have limiting beliefs, that mindsets that are holding us back, but we probably all do. We probably don't know what they are. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's one of those things, maybe you're not going to come up with a snap answer, but if you find yourself thinking like, I can't do this because, or I should, or I shouldn't be doing this, that could boil down to some limiting beliefs that you have. For example, we read about all these people running marathons and so forth in their 80s and 90s last year. That's one limiting belief that you encounter when you talk to people about running. They're like, oh, I, I'm too old. I can never do that. But if you're in the running world long enough, you see old people out there all the time. You can definitely find a way to do what you enjoy, even as you get older. Not with as much speed and vigor, but, <laughs> but you can still have passion for it. That's right. This is not a, a space where you want to be comparing yourself to other people, but you can be inspired and get motivation from what other people are doing and find a way to make it work for you. A couple more questions that I like in this vein is, what do you want to do more of this year? And what do you want to do less of this year? So as you think about your previous year, maybe you're looking at your goals and you're like, man, um, I only got half of them done, which is probably not unusual. I know that happens to me. Sometimes setting too aggressive goals can be discouraging. I read a good book last year called Organize Tomorrow Today by Dr. Jason Selk. And he says, setting goals too high and hoping to quote unquote, get close is one of the most damaging things you can do to your performance because it gets you in the habit of losing. So they make a distinction between product goals and process goals and, and say to focus on process goals in the book. I will uh, speak to that in a second. First though, when you think about last year, try to direct most of your energy toward what went well, the wins, uh, write down the things that you did accomplish and focus on that more than on what uh, didn't work well. Because they, they also, in the book, discuss expectancy theory, which says that whatever you focus on expands, uh, and your brain is sort of trained to expect more of it. So if you focus on the wins, on things that went well, your brain's like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to expect more positive things like that. So when it comes to goal setting, let's talk about product goals versus process goals. And again, this is from the book, Organized Tomorrow Today by psychologist Dr. Uh, Jason Silk. So a product goal is like... Running a sub four hour marathon, that's the product you're trying to achieve. 
in order to get to that product goal, you're going to have to work a plan, and that's your process. What's interesting about process goals versus product goals is you can actually control process every day. You can't control the end result. Maybe on race day you get sick, so you don't run your four-hour marathon. There's a ton of things that could go wrong, things that are outside of your control. But what you can focus on is the the process goals, and that is what do I need to do every day that I can't control. You know, you can control what time you get up in the morning. You can control, you know, whether or not you decide to run that day, whether you decide to cross train. So if you know you have a, a goal of running a four-hour marathon, you download that training plan. I happen to know where you can get a good one. <laughs> or a good coach. <laughs> and now you have a process every day. Here's my workout. You're in control of whether or not you do it. And your goal setting then is built around process. And when you accomplish your process goal, that is the win. So the process is the win. Of course, it'll be a big win at the end, big payday when you run your PR. But the wins that they say to focus on are the process wins. So it's kind of like another way to say, focus on the journey and not the destination. So the journey is the process. The destination is the product. Yeah, they say, okay, write down what are three things you can do tomorrow? So it's like highly actionable, highly specific. What are three things you can do tomorrow that will keep working the process? Let's say you're training for a marathon, you get injured. Angie, if you were injured, what are three things you could do tomorrow to help yourself? Of course, it depends on the type of injury. um, But I think one of the most important things is to find out what's going on. So maybe it could be making an appointment with a sports medicine doctor or getting into your physical therapist right away to start working that plan. Um, Another thing would be take a rest day or work around the injury instead of continually aggravating whatever is going on. Yeah, exactly. So process goal, set an appointment, rest, and maybe take an injury supplement. Yeah, focus on your nutrition, like things that will lower inflammation and give your body a better chance to bounce back and be healthy again. Yeah. And they would say, like, even there, drill into that. Like, what does focusing on your nutrition mean? How do you translate that into a process goal? Well, it could be take athletic greens every day, or it could be, you know, eat a bowl of blueberries, which are high in antioxidants. So you see what I'm saying? Like, any idea or direction that you want to move, you can break out from that, like, three daily process goals. And he also talks about even boiling it down to just one. Like there's three most important things in your daily schedule, but then boil it down to the one must do thing. He calls it the three most and the one must. Three most important, one must do. And even if you just get the one thing done, you're still doing well. I think that's important because it can be overwhelming. You can read so much information and be like, whoa, I should be doing 50 things, but that's not realistic in our busy schedules. So doing those three most important things makes it more manageable and actionable. So if you have those process goals going, those are going to get you through when your motivation is low. And I think the act of starting is often the hardest part. So if if you've made these process goals into a habit, then you don't have to worry about if you feel excited or motivated to do your training run that day because you're just going to do it because it's part of your process. Yeah, exactly. Now, that's not to say that we can't work to build our motivation, you know, maybe borrow motivation from other people when you're feeling low, or maybe when you're feeling extra motivated, um, share that with other people, because it's a two-way street. And I think that's the great thing about the running community is that 
we can encourage each other when we're feeling motivated and then other people can encourage us when maybe we're feeling a bit lower. Yeah, I've, I've thought a lot about motivation in the last couple of years. And to me, I think about how it's impossible for us to motivate somebody to run a marathon. Like we can encourage and provide some motivation, but I've had people email me and like, hey, if I join the academy, are you guys gonna motivate me to run a marathon? And the truth is, unless you're intrinsically motivated to do it, it's not gonna work. So then you go back to your why, which what we started the conversation with, why do you wanna do this? What's like intrinsically motivating about it to you? How does it identify and, and align with your values and the way that you want your life to head and the, your future self? And you gotta go back to that for your source of internal motivation. And beyond that, as far as getting motivated from other people, I think for me, seeing what other people are doing, they call it the proximity effect that you kind of take on the values of the people that you're around. Like let's say with our uh, academy members in our private Facebook group, when people are posting uh, about their runs and about the marathons they've signed up for, it does kind of spark ideas. And then that causes me to go back internally and think about why I am a runner and why I like to, to sign up for marathons. So people motivate me externally to just go deeper into my why and find out what the internal motivation is. And that's what really carries me through. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think about a lot of the goals that I have set through the years and accomplished. They were often based on what other people were doing or goals that they had. So that proximity effect is in place there. And so it's definitely very important that you surround yourself with people who are going in the direction that you want to go, who are positive, um, who are kind of walking the talk, so to speak. So when you did your 50 states, you got that idea from somebody else, from actually a runner on the bus to a starting line, gave you that idea. <laughs> That's right. But that aligned with your values and something that you were already intrinsically motivated to do. That's right. Which is to be your, your best self through running. Yeah, so look back on what you did the year before. Focus on the wins and the positive. Remember what you focus on expands. And then if you feel like you're lacking in motivation, just go back to what your values are and, and what motivates you internally. What is your why? Why do you want to be a long distance runner? Why do you sign up for marathons? Yeah, I ask myself that a lot when I'm out running a marathon, especially after 20 miles. I'm like, what am I doing here? <laughs> Why am I doing this? Like we all will think that. So what is it about your ideal self, the most elite version of yourself that you were trying to become? What is it? How does marathon training help you become that? And what values are driving that? So fall back on your why. And remember, it can be discouraging to, to focus too much on a product goal because there's so many circumstances and externalities that we can't control. But you can control the process goals. Those are the little things you do every day that add up. And of course, for the maximum uh, benefit of the uh, proximity effect, it's always great to have uh, a community of runners around you, whether in person or online. Love to have you in the academy this year. Uh, you can find out how to join when you visit MarathonTrainAcademy.com. That brings us to the end of this episode. Here's to an epic 2022. And uh, hopefully we'll see you out there somewhere as uh, more races open up. Thanks for being a listener to the podcast. We are so glad to be on this running journey with you. Remember, you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Run on my way.